Merry Christmas. What a blessing to be able to share this morning, this day with so many of you. Some of you have been with me for a long time, all through this year, part of the Cornerstone online community. Some of you are joining us maybe for the very first time or watching this with some people you love and we're meeting right now for the very first time. If that's you, I'm Pastor Terry Lee, pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And I'm so thankful we get to celebrate Christmas together. You know, Christmas only falls on a Sunday uh, once, I think, every seven years. So when it does, it's kind of special or something like that. Don't quote me, <laughs> but it's not as common. And I love it when it does. And in my mind, uh, as so many of us gather together and share the joy of Christmas, maybe with our children, and grandchildren, friends, extended family, just people we love. Uh, we, we love this day because it's a time for giving, a time that we share in presence and hopefully joy and love. But as we do it, let's remember also, as you're doing right now, the meaning, the purpose, the real design of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Christ. He is, as has often been said, the reason for the season. And we need to remember that and have thankfulness in our heart for his coming. One of the great verses in the Bible is John 3.16. I love that verse because I think it not only reminds us of Easter, especially the cross, right? How God loved us enough to give himself for us and die in our place. God's love on full display. But it also reminds us of Christmas. God gave us his son. The birth of Jesus, right? So special, so beautiful. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that if anyone would believe in him, they would not perish, but have eternal life. I was looking at a couple of uh, devotional writers. One of them, S.D. Gordon, wrote that Jesus was God spelling himself out in language humanity could understand. Like, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. It's kind of amazing to me that the God of the universe would come to us as a fully human, vulnerable uh, being, a baby. But when we look into the face of that baby, we see the eternal one come to us. Corey Tenboom wrote, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. There it is, the perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. Uh, so let's just keep that in mind. I want to pray over this word we're about to share. Hope it'll be life-giving to you, a gift, a present we can open up together. But Lord, I ask that you would give us the gift of a childlike heart. Remind us of how much we're loved. Maybe this time of the year, or maybe this year period hasn't been easy for us, but we've come to this Christmas moment and we want to open up our hearts in gratitude to you because you've come to us. And because you came, it allows for your coming into our life and into our hearts. And we want to be filled with wonder and we want to bring our gifts as it were before you like the wise men of old. And we want to just be open and make sure that there's room in the end of our heart so we, we just give you this time. We worship you with our attentiveness. And we also want to be in wonder. The wonder that surrounds you when we think of you 
and all that you mean for all of us, all that you've given in your coming. We celebrate it, the greatest gift we could ever have. Jesus, we love you, Lord. The birth of Christ, uh, I was thinking about some things that C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist, wrote about Christmas. You know, he was actually a huge fan of Christmas, but he wasn't a huge fan of the commercialization of Christmas. In some of his writings, he marveled at the incarnation and he described it in, in some pretty special ways. Look what he says here. He says, the birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth. It's the very thing the whole story has been about. I mean, he identifies the birth of Christ as the critical moment. Think about that. The entire pivot of what was to what will be is connected to the coming of Christ in his mind. It, for it's what allows for the cross and resurrection and all the things that God would do from it. In a way, it was the new beginning of God's march, a march of love to give us life. But in his book, Miracles, Lewis went on to say this. He says, in the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space. What a description. Down to humanity. Down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life down to the very roots and seabed of the nature. I mean, what a way of describing the incarnation. And, and then there is this, one of my favorite <laughs> Christian, well, I'll call it Christmas observations from Lewis that though shared almost a hundred years ago, I'm telling you, when you hear it, it just feels so relevant <laughs> for where we're at today. Lewis was sharing in a personal correspondence, an observation that was connected to something his brother had seen. He said, just a hurried line to tell a story which puts the contrast between our feast of the nativity, that's Christmas, between Christmas and all this ghastly Xmas racket at its lowest. He said, my brother heard a woman on a bus say, as the bus passed a church with a crib outside a nativity scene, they bring religion into everything, look, they're dragging it even into Christmas now. <laughs> the, the nerve of those people bringing Christ into Christmas, right? <laughs> Come on. And I think that that does capture a lot of where some people are. <laughs> the nerve shock at bringing Christ into Christmas. Christmas, the celebration of Christ. You know, speaking of keeping Christ in Christmas. Let's read on this Christmas morning the account of his birth. Why not? Let's do this. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And watch how Matthew just leads us into his birth. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the purpose of his coming. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet, that would be the prophet Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Matthew is reminding us of the, and he's connecting back to the startling prophecy from Isaiah, right? I mean, in fact, he's quoting directly from the book of Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah 7, 14 specifically. You can go back and look at it. But the prophet Isaiah, and this is an important little note here. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, lived and ministered some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And he, he is actually generally thought of as one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all the Hebrew prophets. His ministry spanned uh, a key juncture in Israel's national life. He witnessed the fall of both kingdoms and watched as God's people were placed into captivity. It was a painful thing for him to behold, he, to, to see his people become foreign captives carried off to a foreign land. And it was not implausible that they, their identity as a people could be erased from the earth. And part of his task that had made it so sad for him had been to prophesy judgment. But what gives you Isaiah something unique was that he was also given in the face of that judgment, the assignment to speak hope. And what he said to the people had to do with this idea of a hope for deliverance from captivity, which he declared in these, if you check out the, the book and the writings of Isaiah, he declares in these soaring and, and majestic prophecies that that deliverance would be ultimately realized by the coming of a deliverer, a Messiah, an anointed one, a child who would be a king and who was in some unfathomable way born to be God with us. He prophesied of Emmanuel's coming. And it's impossible not to be uh, impressed or stirred by the words that Isaiah writes about the birth of Jesus when he wrote them seven centuries before Jesus came into this world. I mean, it, it really is something that's an astonishing prophecy. And so when Matthew quotes from Isaiah and connects it to the moment of the incarnation, the birth of Christ, I mean, he's he's just taking what has been written and applying it. And I remember I remember something G. Campbell Morgan, the, the poetic and insightful Bible commentator, he's, he's probably my favorite Bible commentator of all times. He wrote this in uh, the Westminster pulpit. He said, Isaiah, 
perhaps the mightiest of all the Hebrew prophets, the man of the largest outlook and keenest insight, came to an age characterized by practical godlessness. <laughs> wow, a time like ours, to be honest. Morgan writes, we know the history of Israel and Judah and how terrible had been the forgetfulness of God. And to these people, Isaiah came saying, in effect, you forget God, but you do not escape God. And as he, Isaiah, looked on to the consumption and deliverance and salvation, expressed the whole of it by one word, and here it is. Emmanuel, God with us. He taught constantly the presence of God in human affairs and that in the processes of the method of God, there would be a mysterious moment in human history when God would be present in the form of a child. So Isaiah's message was, God is with us. But then there was one more aspect to it. God will come to us. And when he does come to us as one of us, he will come as a child. Keep that in the back of your mind. I want to reread that passage from Matthew 1 that describes the birth of Christ, but I want to read it this time from a different version, from the NLT. The first time I read it from the ESV. The NLT gives a slightly different uh, nuance to it. So let's look at this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But I want to push a little further into that, in this passage. All of this, Matthew's gospel says, verse 22, occurred to fulfill the Lord's message, message through his prophet. And here's the connection back to Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph then named him Jesus. I remember something that Max Lucado said. He said, and it's a prolific writer. He wrote this about Christmas. He said, Christmas is best pondered, not with logic, but with imagination. And one other quote, since I'm giving you more than a few of them. These are some, some ones that I really love, and I like this one a lot that I'm about to share. But Janice Mediatere said, Christmas is not as much about opening our presents as opening our hearts. Christmas is not as much about opening our presents as opening our hearts. We, you and I, are invited to ponder with angels 
and prophets of old, like the ones we just read about, the amazing thing that God has done to come like a child with our imagination and heart wide open. Do you see that? Our imagination and our heart wide open so that we may receive the gift of Jesus. We may say, well, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. I mean, come on. Is that possible? Absolutely is possible. The God who created this world became one of us. The one who set the human body in motion and created this amazing instrument and designed it became what he designed. I mean, it's pretty astonishing if you think about it. He is, the Bible reminds us, Isaiah and now in Matthew, he is Emmanuel. He is God with us, which means at least in part that the human race, our broken world, in its fallen place and, yeah, I, I'm just going to say it, it's messed up condition. I mean, it's marred and it's damaged. There's so much bad news. We constantly are seeing evil on display at a global level, nations at war with one another, but in so many other ways as well. The cruelty, the inhumanity, uh, the ugliness that you don't just have to read about with some awful crime that's been committed. Honestly, you could just walk around and see it. It shows up all the time, driving, listening to people complain or gossip or just things that are going on in our own heart. My, 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 my point is, is that we live in a, in a, in a broken world and, you know, it's not, oh, it's sometimes really ugly and dark. I'll just say this one last thing. For all the evil we know about, there's so much evil, so much wrong, so much damage, so much hurt, so much wounding that is never seen. I suspect we only see the top of the iceberg and that God alone sees what's under the surface. But instead of wiping us out or letting us crumble, God has chosen to rescue us by entering into the human experience. And I just, I guess the way I would say is he didn't leave us like a dying man on the side of the road. He didn't leave us like a dying woman on the side of the road. He, he came to us to save us. Our God, Emmanuel, the love of God come to us. The kiss of heaven given to us. What we could never do for ourselves, he did by giving us his only son. I'll say, I'll just quote John 3.16 one more time and I'll add verse 17. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. Life without end. That we would not live a futile existence. But God did not come into this world. He did not send his son into this world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. 
I, I think we just need to remember, it's just so important, the gift of a Savior. I mean, he, he, he not only came to be with us as the Savior of the world, he came to be, listen, listen, our Savior, my Savior, your Savior, if you will have him. He, he saves. He has come to save us, to do ultimately for us what we could ever do for ourselves, right? He won't force us to receive him. It's the greatest present. He, won't, he gives it freely to us. You can't earn a gift. You can only accept it. You can only receive it. And those of us who would receive him as our Savior, this good news in a bad news world, uh, it changes everything. It turns winter into spring. It, it makes everything come alive. Death dies with Jesus. Uh, he, and he wants to be our Savior at a personal level. Like I say, he, he came into this world to give himself away so that we could have God with us now and always. I mean, that was his purpose. Lo, Jesus said, I am with you even unto the end of the age. The way I like to describe that is, I will come to you, and if you will have me, I will be with you forever, even unto the end of forever. Wow. What is that? That's how long he'll be our Savior. Ah, right. The one who has come, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, wants to walk with us through this life, through the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the winds and the bends, yeah, and the wounds and the hurts. And listen, the, the, the hurts that are inflicted upon us by others and the hurts, yes, that are inflicted upon us by ourselves and our foolishness. He wants to be with us in all those places, in every struggling place, he wants to be God with us in every dark place. The light has come. He wants to be God with us in the questioning place. Yeah. In those doubts and fears, he wants to be, Jesus does, God with us. And yes, even in the shameful place or the forgotten lonely place, he wants to be God with us. You are not abandoned. He keeps his promises. How good is that? Hamilton Wright maybe wrote, Blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. So, loved ones, let the Christ child who has come remind us again of how much we are loved the light has come to show us the way. God has come to give us a new day. Uh, I found myself thinking once more about the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and, and the third and fourth stanzas. And it's what I, I think I 
want to close with. Uh, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to sing it. Um, but just think of these words one more time. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. And no ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. That's what we want, right? We want the Lord who has come to abide with us. Lord, on this uh, Christmas morning, just remind us of who you are and the beauty of your, your gift and help us to love it with the tenderness that we're invited to embrace it with, right? You know, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a, a song that we close with here. And, and then I have a little, a little, I'll call it a little gem, a little reminder to send you off with a Christmas blessing. But I also want to take this moment, and this is for our Christian, you know, our church family, our Cornerstone community. So if you are just joining us, don't, I don't want you to feel in any way um, uh, sort of uncomfortable with what I'm about to share. But, you know, we are entering the end of the year, and our church exists because of the faithfulness of, it, of its community around the giving of their tithes and offerings. And I, I would also like many of you to consider, as the year is coming to a close, making uh, Cornerstone uh, the high is priority in your giving and, and really consider prayerfully what the Lord might want you to share as we bring uh, the year end giving to a close. Um, I like to say we can never outgive God and we, we get to decide where we are going to honor him and how we're going to bless and what we're going to give. So, uh, remember, you can give in a number of different ways. You can send it in to our offices. You can give directly through our website or through our app, which is what I do. But I always say, let's give them first our hearts. So let me pray. And then uh, with that in mind, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, you are the giver of all good things. And you are the one that we love. How can we say thank you enough for the gift of Jesus? Uh, we sit with wonder, we sit with a holy imagination, and we sit with deep gratitude for your coming and what it means to our ultimate future. So we ask that you would allow the love of Christ to just be settled in us. And as we share these closing minutes together, let's not be in a hurry, but just enjoy who you are. Christ child, be alive in us, we pray, on this Christmas day, in Jesus' name. A family hiding from the storm Found no place at the keep 
keeper's door was for this a child was born to save a world so cold and hollow a sleeping town they did not know that lying in a manger low a savior king who had no Heal our sorrows. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? Shepherds counting sheep at night. Do not fear the glory light. You are precious in His sight. God has come to raise the lonely. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there us abide with us on this Christmas Sunday you know I think it was Thoreau who said the way you spend Christmas is far more important than how much 
let's determine on this wonderful day and really all through this week as it leads us into the new year and the close of this year into the new one that's coming. Let's determine in our hearts to be unoffended. Let us seek to be at peace. Even as we celebrate the Prince of Peace, let us pause to wonder at the one we call wonderful. Let's allow uh, the goodness of God to be near to us. And just the way in which we talk with others and the way in which we interact and the way in which we engage and just, you know, let his love and goodness prevail. Let this be dominant. Don't, don't let anything corrupt it. Lord, that's my prayer for all of us, that on this Christmas day and through this Christmas week, we would just have hearts that are embracing you and kneeling before you and offering you our gifts and our best and choosing to be angry with no one as much as possible to let your love and light and life shine through us. We're so grateful for your love. Be near to us, we pray. Emmanuel. Go in his love, go in his goodness. Christmas blessings sent your way on this Christmas day.